Welcome to the Team Building Podcast, where you'll learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market. Featuring masterminds with team leaders and mega agents, plus in-depth interviews with operations managers and marketing directors of some of the top teams in the country. You'll learn the latest methods to generate and convert leads, streamline your operations, recruit and train better agents, and raise your profit. And now, here's the latest Team Building Podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Matt Johnson. We are back with another episode of the Team Building Podcast. Uh, This is where you learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market. And we've got a very special guest that is on his way to doing that. He's going to share what he's done and what he's learned and what the next step are for his team. Unfortunately, we don't have Jeff uh, with us today. So he is uh, out of the office. So we're rolling with our guest, just me and him. So let's uh, welcome him in, Kelly Cook. Kelly, what's up, man? Hey, man, how you doing? Doing great. And I'm going to try to pick up for Jeff's energy that we're going to be missing because he's not on the call today. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be a task for both of us, but that's all right. We'll get through it. <laughs> all right. So, uh, so give everybody a little bit of background if they haven't seen. So we interviewed you on Real Estate Uncensored uh, here with just, I think, within the last month or so, uh, where you shared really your, your story. But give people kind of the, uh, the one-minute version of where you come from and where you're at right now. Yeah, absolutely. So the one minute story. Okay, uh, here we go. Um, So just grew up uh, in the Midwest in Omaha, Nebraska, where obviously you and Jeff are very familiar with and Mm -hmm. um, ended up going to uh, Nebraska play football there, which was phenomenal experience. And then um, got into coaching afterwards for two years, coaching at uh, Nebraska as a graduate assistant, you know, i.e. the grunt and then uh, going to Ole Miss the following year after we were fired. Um, and doing the same thing there as a graduate assistant, being, uh, being the grunt, putting in about 90 hours a week, just, just hustling, you know, and, and so on and so forth. So did that. And then our head coach was fired at Ole Miss as well that first year. So I decided to, uh, to try to find a profession where if you chose to work 90 hours or 95 hours a week, you'd probably be pretty successful as opposed to being fired for it. So, um, (laughs) I ended up in Phoenix, Arizona and, um, in 2004, actually right before Christmas, after we were fired the first week of December in 2004, and uh, haven't looked back since. Nice. So what's, uh, what's the team look like now? Yeah, so the team right now is, is uh, it's, it's actually growing pretty, pretty good. We had like a little growth initiative that we kind of took on about uh, August, July or so of 2016 here uh, to really kind of grow the team um, and try to do it organically in a way, systematically in a way where we can still support the team as team members as well, not just bring, you know, every warm body on that sort of thing. That's not the point. Um, but right now, team's doing well. Um, we, we surpassed our, our sales volume and our goals from, uh, well, I should say, what we accomplished last year in 2015 for 2016. And so we're now coming up at the end of the year here. So that's good. We didn't hit our goals, but we, we fell forward because the goals were lofty and, uh, and still succeeded. Uh, so then for next year, this year coming up, we have some uh, really high expectations as well. Um, and if you want, Matt, I can obviously go into, you know, how many people on the team, that kind of stuff too. Yeah, that's exactly what I want. Okay, perfect. Sorry, I just I can talk a lot too, man. So these ideas, man, I, just, I can just go. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah. So okay. So right now we have um, seven agents. We call them sales agents, but they specialize okay. with buyers. They can do listings. It's a whole other conversation. But um, sales agents. We have a uh, a sales manager or director of sales. We call who manages that buyer team. Um, and so that's eight. And then we have um, a lead listing specialist uh, who only does that. And then we have a lead luxury specialist. And, and she has two people under her because we're really trying to make a push to capture more of the luxury home market down here in Scottsdale, Paradise Valley, the suburbs of, of Phoenix. So um, that puts us at 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. And then we have a full-time in-house ISA. Um, and then we have a virtual 
ISA. Uh, and then we have um, two uh, operations um, individuals as well, um, a, an executive assistant, and then who does a lot of marketing as well. Then we have a transaction listing coordinator. Very cool. Okay. All right. So, uh, and run, run me real quick what the uh, the unit size and uh, volume for you guys, or at least projected for the end of the year. Okay, perfect. So, end of the year right now, we're going to be at fifty, about fifty six million. Uh, just, I mean, just barely beat what we did last year. Barely. We're, we're talking about like one hundred and thirty, one hundred forty thousand dollars. So it's crazy how that turned out that way. Um, and unit wise, we're going to be just under one hundred, about one hundred and forty five, one hundred forty four, right around there, probably. Okay. So that's that's we're going to be at. All right, and share with people. So, what, what's uh, so you've got a team of buyers agents? What's your main lead generation lever for them? How are you feeding them leads or getting them to generate their leads? Good point. So, we have a training. We have a training program when they come on. So, we have a. Uh, it's a version of what some other agents do, especially in KW, um, uh, in terms of training and onboarding. Um, but we do have a system where they have to come to the table when they first join with a hundred contacts in a spreadsheet that is able to be. Uh, uploaded right into Boomtown, which is our CRM. Okay. Um, they have to bring that and it forces them to do the memory jogger and all that cool stuff, you know, to get them Good. to realize, you know, hey, they know people more people than they actually think they know. Um, and that's one thing. Then they have to actually make outbound calls and do a minimum of, and that's, that's a minimum of anywhere from 50 to 100 contacts per day on the dialer. And then they have to um, do three open houses a week. That is a five week program. And the reason we go five weeks, but we go five weeks. And then um, after that, they can start receiving leads. So then what's, what's, what we do is we join the other half of that, that puzzle, so to speak, to them after they demonstrate they're in this and they're, they're going to demonstrate they're going to do what they need to do to be successful, make contacts, et cetera. Um, and then what we do is we start providing leads. Our main source of leads are, are threefold. Online leads, um, uh, ISA leads, nurturers, et cetera, et cetera, um, and outbound stuff that she sets or they set. And then the third one is our database leads database uh, doing this almost 12 years. And those are the best ones because those are usually the ones that, you know, are going to buy or sell right away. You don't have to convert or sell them on anything. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So, all right, well, let's go back to the, the initial bucket. So the, the online lead generation, are you guys using Boomtown to, to supervise all that and, and run the pay-per-click campaigns? Oh, we may have lost him. Kelly, can you hear me? Matt, are you hearing me? Uh, you, there, was a, there was a pretty good freeze there, but uh, I can hear you now. I'm just waiting for your video to come back up. Yep. Yep. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. I'll sit back down here. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> All right. You're, uh, you're on Wi-Fi, right? I am, but it's, 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 it's six bars, whatever, you know. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll just have a cut. Anyway, um, so my, my assistant will take care of that. But anyway, uh, so let's go back to, uh, so, so online lead generation. So tell me a little bit about, um, like, what are you guys going after? And, and is somebody like, is Boomtown running that campaign for you? Do you have it paid for and offset by lending partners to give us an idea of what your, your pay-per-click looks like? Okay, yeah, good question. So we have uh, Boomtown paid leads. Uh, that is a big, a big source of, of ours. Um, we're running that right now. Those are, those are the cost per leads, not bad on those. Uh, um, if you get super click, but, um, we're running that. And then we have, um, realtor.com leads, Zillow leads and Trulia. Um, we're not doing a, a huge spin on those. Um, but we're doing a decent, a good amount, you know, I guess it's all relative. So those are our three main big ones. And I think we're going to actually probably uh, start on some Craigslist stuff here pretty soon as well. Really? Just posting the, um, 
posting houses for sale just you know just like Jeff does in the, the home office in Omaha? That's it. I'll be honest with you. you know, I talked to when I talked to Jeff, um, you know, back in I don't know what, six months ago. Or so at his office, you know, he mentioned his guy down there, right? So I, I'm literally just going to call him up and, and say, you know what, tell me more, and let's let's get the show on the road, probably. Okay, cool. Um, all right. So then on the database side, you mentioned that those are some of your best leads. You, you, I mean, you've been you personally have been active in the business in in that area since '04, but now you are taking a step back. You're not calling these database leads yourself. So how are you kind of determining who? then follows up on the database and what what's the message from them since it's not you doing the calling yeah good question so i have my client care coordinator who is different from our isa she's an admin she's she's kind of like an ea so i've heard do some time of lead generation blocking as well uh not much about an hour a day but she she'll go through and she'll do some handwritten notes she'll call some 33 touch make some, make some 33 touch calls to those clients that sort of thing when I do have some downtime, I actually do, which isn't much, but when I put some margin in my client, I'm in my, my calendar, I'm intentional about it. I actually do make some calls to about, there's about a core, I don't know, 35, 40 people that I really got to stay in touch with. Um, again, those people, um, which is more than that, but really for me, it's about 35, 40, but I have more than that. But those people are on a specific plan. We call our VIP touch plan. And what we do with that, those people is we literally have them on a plan that repeats over and over again every single year. And it's one gift and it's one call every other month. So let's say in January, they get a call saying how much we appreciate them. Then February, they get a gift. And then March, a call. And then April, a gift. That's what we do. And we try to keep that gift pretty simple. I mean, we're not talking anything lavish. We're talking, you know, under $15. Maybe a book from Amazon uh, of some topic they, they, uh, they enjoy or they, uh, in their industry, they work in, whatever it may be, a gift card to Starbucks for five bucks one month. Uh, it could be a gift card to Dunkin' Donuts for 10 bucks one month. Uh, we just alternate it through a series of gifts that we do on that program because those people have to be treated different. It'd be segmented and treated different than your average person who just close a deal with you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and what's the criteria? These just are, are you looking for, are these other business owners that are strategic referral partners? Are they higher end listings, you know, potential, that kind of thing? Good point. We, we actually, we actually require, we actually do it kind of off the Brian Buffini deal. We actually require that they have referred us one person before they go on that plan. Hmm. Okay, cool. That's how, that's how we do it. Despite the price point, despite geographic location or anything. Okay. And then on the database that's stuff. So when you're talking about like the 33 touch, are, are you sprinkling in some physical mailers in there? Or is it just like the occasional handwritten note from your client care coordinator? And then everything else is, you know, phone call Perfect. and email. Yeah, good question. So it's a series of, of text, video, quick video, video emails, right? We just do from our cell phone, really simple, not, not anything fancy, just, Hey, how you doing? Just thinking of you. Um, calls, um, handwritten notes, and then we do what we call listing flyers, and then we're going to just start here in 2017 doing um, buyer need or buyer wants uh, flyers. And so what we do, we, we've taken everybody that's either an SOI, we've, we've tagged our database as an SOI, or a past client that closed a deal with us, and they get every single month, they get a listing flyer that's a templated deal that, that we don't reinvent the wheel every single month, and that we have uh, you know some pretty economies of scale when it comes to printing stuff. We do about 2,000 to 2,200 of these. And we'll send that out every month. And then we do the same thing for the buyer side or buyer want side, which is a different template. So we switch it up a little bit, give them a little different look when they open their mail. Um, just saying, hey, we have these listings out here and or actually, we have these buyers out here and they're looking for this. So it's three new ones every single month. Mm -hmm. And the reason we do that is because now they know and they can't delete it, right? They can, right. They can throw it away, but they'll yeah. at least be forced to look at it for maybe two or three seconds. 
Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. All right. Very That's cool. the combination. That's what we do. And then a lot of that too, Matt, as you know, is done through viral as well. We do the viral program as well, which is yes. Yeah. As far, yeah. As far as the, the being part of the 33 touch. Yes. You've got two educational videos going out to your database. Everyone that's uh, that's in email database. Uh, how, right. how big is that? If you don't mind sharing for, I mean, cause you're, you're bringing in a bunch of agents and they're all kind of contributing their databases to, to the master database, right? Yeah. Right now we're at about 16,000 people. So nice. some of those are cold, are are yeah. leads that we haven't got a hold of. We're still we're still working through that. But yeah, we're we're about sixteen thousand people right now. Well, yeah, and I want I want to touch on that real quick because I know people will be curious. So break us down the difference between the in-house and the virtual ISA, and what are their roles? Okay, perfect. So the the virtual ISA, honestly, all we have him doing is outbound prospecting. That's it. That's it. So we might add a, a part-time one fairly soon to work on some more nurturing to help out with that. Um, but he's just outbound prospecting. The in-house ISA, um, she spends half of her morning outbound prospecting. And then the other half, she spends nurturing, lead nurturing. So it literally looks like for her priority scale is this. So morning, it's outbound calls, either FISBOs or old expireds with some new expireds as well. And that's a minimum requirement of three hours a day on the dialer. I don't put, I don't hold her to a contact number on that. I hold her to a, a time issue, a dial time issue on that in the morning. Then the afternoon, um, what I do is, 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 is she has a priority list of new leads call, or called first. Anything new is called first that uh, we keep our new, quote unquote, our new leads in a status of 24 hours in the new category for those of you who are familiar with Boomtown. Um, and in that new category, they're required is to call that lead three times and one text message in the first 24 hours. And we even get as specific as when the agent's really on fire and doing a good job in the ISA, we get specific as going, the first call is a, is a voicemail. The second call is no voicemail. The third call is leave a voicemail again, but hang up on yourself in the middle of the voicemail. That's what we do okay. in the first 24 hours. <laughs> we try, we try to dig okay. our, our carrot. Like, so, hey, Mr. Jones, how you doing? This is Kelly Cook with the uh, Kelly Cook Real Estate Group out here at Keller Williams. Hey, I just wanted to give you a call because you know you had that uh, you re re reached out to us through our web, and we noticed that the property you you liked, you clicked on actually, and then click. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! Um, and <laughs> I tell you what, man, it works. It works if you if you're if you're organized enough to actually do that. Knowing a third call, this is the thir actual third call, and right. this is what you do. It works. The problem is just being organized enough. You know, we all fail at that little bit, obviously. Yeah. Because um, we have so many leads and stuff we're working with. But yes, that's what we do. And then after 24 hours, to make sure she's she's going through all those leads that agents haven't haven't had the three the three calls on with whatever to do that. And then after that, after the news are called, then our second priority with lead nurturing is to go through all of her tasks. Now her tasks, she doesn't keep a lot of leads in her profile, her login in the CRM. We, we send those out to other agents so they know they're getting leads. They can help try to call as well and convert. Mm -hmm. But what we do is, um, is, is she sets a lot of manual tasks for her. Like, hey, I set, up, I set this appointment or hey, I have to call this guy back. And so I know it's Carla's lead, but I'm going to uh, make myself a manual task to, to, to call the day after the appointment was set just to see how it went. Because gotcha. we really give her full autonomy to to basically, you know, we say we say we, we want to make sure somebody buys or dies, right? One of the two. Well, it's no different for her on her nurturing. So we actually give her full autonomy to go through the database. So after she sets an, uh, an appointment, say on Tuesday at four, then she needs to set herself a manual task on Wednesday to call that lead back to see what they thought of the appointment with our sales agent. Because all that matters is the perception of what the client thinks. And so what we do, and some other people do it different, 
and I, I understand both sides, but what we do, we found is the higher that she makes herself feel or look small to the client as just some, you know, kind of just assistant, then, you know, not the big, bad, good sales agent, um, if that makes any sense. Uh, but, but then, but then the more she puts the sales agent on a pedestal, like this is the best agent you could possibly get for this area. He's the best and his schedule is really tight, but we're going to squeeze you in with him at four o'clock on Tuesday. Um, and that sort of thing. And then she can really third party sell that, that lead that to that agent or that agent that lead. Then we found that our closing rate gets a little bit better. Interesting. Interesting. Cause that's, um, so by the time you hear this, uh, for those of us, that, that, those of you that are in the audience, you might've already heard Dale Archdeacon's episode where he takes the exact opposite. So he runs the ISA team for Noah Ostroff's team, uh, Philly living. Uh, they do the exact opposite. So their inside sales agents are full fledged agents in their own right. They literally don't even tell the, the prospect that somebody else is coming out on the appointment until they set the appointment. And it's like, all right, great. Uh, John's going to be meet you there at 4 PM. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> so that's interesting. I, I, I would tend to, I'd never heard that before, but it, it's interesting that you've, you've experimented and found that the exact opposite works. But anyway, so I yeah, just for, that out for us, there. A ton of, I mean, they're, they're yeah. a ton of business, as you know, right? So it must yeah. work for them. That's awesome. Yeah, exactly. I, I would just intuitively, I would think that the approach of the calling as the assistant and boosting up the agent and you're almost selling them on the appointment. Uh, would be more effective but anyway it's yeah it's at the the maximum of jay abraham if you want to be a marketing genius you don't need to have any original thought all you have to do is just test everything right <laughs> that's it man. <laughs> that's a great quote that's it. don't be a genius just test everything <laughs> anyway all right so move, moving on to uh uh well let's let's dig in a little bit deeper on the isa before we move on i, I just want to give you a chance to share how how is your inside and your virtual isas compensated okay good question so on the isa side um, she is, she gets $2,000 a month guaranteed. She has the ability or eligibility, I should say, to, um, receive a $500 a month draw against her commission. And the reason why it's a little bit lower at 2000 a month as a full guarantee is because we pay our 10% of the gross commission, the GCI. Oh, wow. Okay. So she, her, her upside is much higher and there's no restriction on, on price point or anything. So her upside's huge if she really wants to go out and kill it. Yeah, well, that's an interesting question. Um, before we get into some of the other stuff, let's talk about the price point issues. So you've got this kind of luxury division within your team. So how are you how are you walling that off or separating or, or, or giving them the ability to kind of build that brand within what is typically not a, like most teams are not in that environment. They're not even going after luxury. They're, they just want the repeatable, uh, the three bed, two bath, two car garage uh, deal. So how are you structuring that? Yeah, good question. It actually, it actually is no different than kind of the expansion model to some degree in terms of you really start with the who. You find a good person, then you, you have all kinds of you know, possibilities, really. So that's what happened with us here. We have a gal who just, who just really excels in the luxury home market and has some good contacts, that sort of thing. And, um, and so we just, I said, okay, what can we do to help maximize this for you while still remaining on, on our team? Because my job is to try to, you know, again, have a vision so big that anyone who's really talented can without leaving the team. So um, that's how we did it. So we just basically said anything that's really right now around a million dollars or more, she's involved with. So if another agent sets the appointment and they're eligible to take regular listings because they've gone through the proper training, they can still do a luxury listing again if they've been through the proper training on that listing appointment because that's a little bit different. Okay. It's a little yeah. bit different. So, yeah. and so if the agent doesn't want to take the time to go through it because they want to, you know, make sure they're hammering their numbers and getting their closings down and hitting their goals, monthly goals, 
then that's fine. It's their choice, but it's there if they want to take advantage of it. And Martha on my team does a fantastic job of that. So that's how we kind of separate. And, and also too, the luxury homes, at least in Arizona, a lot of those clients don't want it on lockbox. They want the agent there to show it to the other agent and the buyer. And so that takes, that's a time intensive thing that, you know, I don't have the time for. And so, and so Martha is very good at that showing that the buyer and their agent really pointing the good details out about the house, the attention, the detail that really, you know, makes the house so expensive. Okay. Very, very cool. And, and do like, are, are your sales agents, like when you bring on a new sales agent, do you have them kind of be in a showing assistant role for other agents or is that something that they're free to do? Do you encourage it? Yeah, we don't right now as part of our training system, but we do, we do it. I guess, I guess the best way to put it is this, we have it as an option because okay. they're not receiving leads that first five weeks. So we have it as an option and we, and we do require that they go out actually on um, buying appointments with another agent three times. They can actually take a buyer out as well so they can see it done. So um, they have the ability to actually do it and take charge and be the lead, so to speak, um, in terms of showing the properties which is a showing agent, the model, so to speak. So it's not, I'll be honest with you, Matt, it's not perfected, uh, but it's an option that it just gives them an opportunity to make some more revenue, a little bit of revenue while they're, you know, maybe, you know, hammering out the first five weeks. Yeah. And I, I know people are curious about that because you've got the two different approaches to building a team, which is your agents do only one thing or they can do everything. And there's usually not a, little, a lot of middle ground. It seems like you've found a little bit of a middle ground where they are primarily buyer's agents, but they have the option to do listings. If they go through the training, they have the option of maybe doing some showing assistant stuff. Um, but then they've got just their core, the engine of their business is the, the buyer leads. Absolutely. Absolutely. No doubt about it. All right. So let's get in, dip into the recruiting a little bit in terms of how do you find those people. Um, so give us some of the ways that you went out and sourced the candidates because you went from essentially no team to a team of five or six or seven in a pretty short period of time. I mean, it, what's, what was the time frame again? Yeah, you're right. That, that was about from that mark. That was probably about uh, about a year, about a year. Yeah. So you're adding an agent essentially every other month, which is pretty good for without a like a concerted uh, mm, systematic recruiting effort. Let's put it that way. Right. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, it, it's one thing to bring on five or 10 people when you have a system and there's thousands of emails going out every month and you have a recruiter picking up the phone and making calls. But I'm guessing that's not you or at least all the responsibility falls on you. <laughs> so that's not getting done. Uh, so how, how did you come across these people? Yeah, you know, a lot of it was just um, being, being in the trenches myself in production, just working really hard, um, having some good results. And then other agents would be like, hey, you know what? Uh, because I was at that point, I wasn't with Keller Williams. I was with a different brokerage. Uh, it's actually a Prudential at the time, and which is now Berkshire. And, you know, they, they just the culture there wasn't really one of, at least in this particular office or franchise, right of agent sharing with each other, right? It's kind of like, hey, if I found some secret sauce, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold it over here in my office. You know, you can't have it. So, so, and I was always, always, I was always the curious guy, like, hey man, tell me what you're doing. You know, I see you're just crushing it in this or that. What's going on? Oh no, you know, I can't really, you know, I, I don't really feel comfortable telling you or whatever. I'm like, what? You know, so anyways, just at Keller Williams, I found it to be totally different. So, and that's yeah. probably not the same for all Berkshire offices, but that was just the one I was in at the time. And again, it was Prudential too, it wasn't even Berkshire. So, um, but uh, uh, that it just came about because some of the people saw the results and so they're kind of attracted to it. And then I made some pretty, I, so I brought some people on, made some bad hiring decisions because I was having, you know, high S's, high C's as a buyer agent. And I didn't know about it. I had no mm -hmm. idea of the whole personality thing back then. I was just kind of taking on people and saying, yeah, come on and we'll figure it out. And I'm sure if, if you're willing to do it, you're going to be good. Doesn't always work that way, right? As yeah. you know. So, uh, but it wasn't until I got over to Keller Williams that I really found out about the whole personality thing, the disc assessment, you know, the ABA that we have now, and then all this new thing called the KPA. Yeah. So, 
it's, 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 it's good stuff. It's good stuff when you match those people. And that's been the biggest reason we've had some success now with having the right people in the right seat. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I remember you've, um, the, fir- the very first time we talked, you talked a little bit about uh, using things like ZipRecruiter and Facebook and stuff like that. How much is that, has that actually turned into real agents that join your team? Or do the primary people that join the team still end up being the personal relationships, the people you meet in production and working the other side of the deal is to bring those agents over to you? And our best luck with the people that we've uh, that we that we still have that retain in the long some sort of um, of referral sphere of influence referral or whatever it may be. But I will say this: we do have some people that uh, are on the team now and looking looking to do some pretty good business. I think they're they're newer, they're ramping up, and so far the the, the bell curve is is swinging in, in the right direction. Um, and that that they've been from ZipRecruiter. That's one that we use ZipRecruiter. Um, we, I kind of fell into it because you get that extra spot to be able to advertise for, for another different position if you're looking for, say, an admin role. You get an extra spot with the package you buy to say, hey, real estate agents, you know, wanting systems, leads, training, etc. So we kind of fell into that one uh, by default. Um, and then also too, we did some Craigslist stuff. That Craigslist has not been that great for us, but it's really been ZipRecruiter and outside of Sphere, ZipRecruiter and um, our market center because at KW they're actively recruiting agents and a lot of agents come in, they're new or whatever it may be. And they say, you know what? I want some support. I want more support than the market center can give me. So how about a team? Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's, yeah. KW is very conducive to that. So. Yeah. It's, uh, so one of the interesting things is as I've gotten and interviewed more people in like the recruiting space is they're very much, and, and this is over, you know, a hundred years of recruiting people uh, on the phone and, and things like that. They've, uh, the consensus on that side is that the best candidate for your position will never come to you. You have to go get them, you know? So it makes sense that the people that you've sourced that that are the best and that that retain the longest are not the people that were looking when you came across them necessarily, or at least they were not trolling on Craigslist for, you know, I think real estate, ca- it's funny because we, uh, <laughs> I think I used this phrase the other day, navel gazing. There's a lot of navel gazing going on in real estate where we look at what other realtors are doing to recruit. And we don't re- realize that there's a whole other industry where there's a, literally a million people that are recruiting right. That, that that's all they do. And we haven't quite <laughs> figured out that maybe we should look at what they're doing to find out what's working. Anyway, that's a whole other rant. Um, I might have to start a podcast about that. But anyway, um, there, I have a couple of <laughs> questions for you on, on, uh, on leadership. So, uh, uh, so give us a sense of, so obviously you're at the top, you're at the top of the pyramid. Who's your next person and who is it still, are you still the visionary and the integrator? Are you still running kind of the day-to-day project management of the team or do you have that person in place yet? I am. I'm the visionary and the integrator still right now at this point, um, uh, unfortunately. But that's yeah. that's the next key hire for me uh, is that director of operations role. So I actually, um, actually, to be honest, I just hired um, a gal who accepted yesterday, to be honest with you, and she has that capability. That's what I'm looking for. She's she's going to have to start um, doing some in the trench stuff too. Mm-hmm. But half her time is going to be spent on the higher level you know, integration or integrator stuff. So I'm looking forward to it. She comes from a, a pretty good background of that. Yeah. So um, uh, first of the year. So we'll see. Cool. Well, good luck with that. That's that's awesome. That'll free up a ton of your time and mental oh. space. That's for sure. <laughs> you got to be like, oh, no my God, please work out. Please work out. Anyway. No question. So so I'm curious, and maybe this is a little bit of a selfish question, but the football background, you worked with 
had some some pretty famous, relatively famous head coaches and coaching staffs. And I'm sure a lot of those guys that were on those staffs are now co head coaches in their own right. But who was who was the best leader that you came across during your your football career, and why? Wow, as a as a coach or uh, a, a fellow player, let's say either. Yeah. Well, well, not not a fellow player say, necessarily, but yeah, let's let's stick with just whether it was your co were your coaching career or your playing career. Who was the best coach that was the that was the best leader? Okay, that's a man. That's a fantastic question. Before I answer that question, I will say this: There was a guy you probably know him being a Nebraska guy, mm -hmm. uh, Mike Brown. Yeah, um, safety. He was older than me. Yeah, he was, he was safety, all American. You know, played the Chicago Bears. I think he, I think he made Defensive Player of the Year one year with the mm -hmm. Bears, so. but. Uh, I tell you what, um, he was about four years older than me. I think I was redshirt. He was a senior, and I, I was I, I was on I was a redshirt guy, so I was on scout team for most of the year, you know. And I mean, I was a little bit scared of that guy. I mean, he was the, you talk about a guy who's intense and, he, yeah. and who just brought it, who, who would get in the face of a three hundred pound D tackle and just, I mean, and make him feel small, you know, and that because they had so much respect for him. Um, I, I rarely see I've rarely seen something like that before. Um, and again, I was a young freshman, so but that, from a coaching standpoint. You know what? I'd. Uh, that's a great question. Uh, who I thought was the best coach? I've been around some some good ones. Been been privileged. I would say, it honestly, it probably was Turner. Really? Um, yeah, I, I I played quarterback for a short stint in Nebraska when when there's some injuries and that kind of stuff that had occurred. Um, and I, I just he's not your vocal in your face guy like a Mike Brown on the field at all. Yeah. But I tell you what, the, the way he leads by example, the way he leads in the film room, the way he leads, um, it's, it's almost like a that servant leadership style, mm -hmm. uh, which I'm a big fan of because um, he descended the ladder. You know, he was obviously the best coach and, and wasn't, you know, the head coach, but he just had the respect of every single person on the offensive side of the football who, who knew him at all. You know, even O-lineman who didn't even deal with them, he had the respect of them. So um, that's a guy I learned a lot from just from the standpoint of, and being soft-spoken, but when you speak, people pay attention and listen. It's hmm. interesting. So, yeah, and so now so, he's head coach at Liberty University out there in Virginia, I believe. And it? I think they're doing pretty pretty well, actually. You know, he, yeah. he's been he's been successful at Buffalo and some other places too. But, um, hmm. but yeah, just a just a real good guy. I've never heard anyone had anything negative to say about him in any, in any industry no, or whatever. No, it, it is interesting though. It's just coming from like both of the coaching staffs that you come from. Uh, it is interesting that you didn't immediately go Cutcliffe or Solich, you know, which probably speaks right. to why, <laughs> why they were then summarily dismissed. But anyway, um, yeah, that, that's something I've <laughs> they always... They were good. I, they were good. They were good. They were right, right? I, I'm not... There's not... It's, but that should have like, only the, the head coach should have sprung yeah. to mind first if, yeah, if they're doing their job. But anyway, uh, I was I was curious about that because I'm, a, you know, both of us being big football fans and, and observers of the sport, um, I, I'm very fascinated by the parallels between football coaching and business and one of my favorite books is the score takes care of itself by bill walsh and i've oh, always yeah. thought that was the the just that idea of the the standard of performance that you set that and you create the culture and jeff is really big on culture and that's exactly what he did without really knowing what bill walsh's philosophy on, on it was jeff created a culture of excellence throughout that entire team which carries over so even when he's not there there's still an expectation that you follow that standard of performance and all that. Uh, I, I love that, that philosophy and kind of look at business a little bit through that lens of, of football coaching. So that's, that's one of the, um, I think there's a lot of really good examples for how to run a team from that world. Yeah. No doubt about it. I, I totally agree. And I, I and you're right. That's, that's interesting. That question just made me have the same aha you probably just did. I mean, I, I don't, 
you would think that there would be one guy who just go bam for me. And um, it really doesn't. There, there's some good ones. There's some really good ones. I just there wasn't one guy who just was head above, you know, head and shoulders above. Yeah. I will say this. There's a quick plug. There's there's another coach though. Uh, he was a, he was actually um, uh, uh, the like tight ends coach at Nebraska for a short period of time. Um, now he's the offense coordinator at Ohio University. Um, Tim Albin. And he's been there with Frank Solich now for pretty much his whole entire career since he's been in Division One. And that guy, I mean, great. He was the opposite a little bit. Turner Gill, outspoken, just fired up energy. And, and you'd run through a brick wall for him a little bit, you know. And so yeah. I want to give a quick shout out to Tim because he's 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 fantastic. He's <laughs> well, and there's there's a good lesson there in those two examples that you don't have to be one or the other. It's about that you know leadership comes in different flavors. Bingo. Yep. Yeah. Hundred percent. Very cool. All right, so uh, so let people know how they can connect with you. Remind people of where, uh, like the area that you guys serve, so they can keep you in mind for referrals and all that good stuff. Yeah, basically, if it's in the Phoenix metro area, the Grace metro area, we can we can handle it. Our team enough, and we can handle it with the capacity that we have. Um, but we are we are based in Scottsdale. That's our backyard. So certainly, if it's Scottsdale, Northeast Valley, um, it's that's I'm biased. There's no one better. There's no one better, Matt. So they can get a hold of us through uh, through our phone number. It's four eight zero. Four four two nine eight six eight, or just simply email at kelly at homes.com. All right. There's a little glitch there. It's kelly at kelly cook homes, right? Correct. Okay. <laughs> little, you basically said <laughs> kelly at space homes.com. I'm like, well, that's not good. Yeah, be, yeah, that's, that's the that's bad timing for a glitch, man. Come yeah, on. Yeah, we love referrals. Worst possible timing. That was hilarious. Yeah. I mean, it's, Hey, more power to you. If you own homes.com domain, you'll be a very rich man. But uh, I, I knew that was probably wasn't quite right. No, not that smart. Not that smart. That's right. Yeah. None, none of us were sadly at night sitting around in 1994, 95 kicking ourselves anyway. All right. So uh, let's wrap it up right, right there. Um, if you guys are interested in, uh, in taking the workshop and going up to Omaha and let's get my camera refocused here. There we go. Uh, and taking the, the team building workshop uh, in Omaha, where you get to drop in essentially parachute into our office uh, in Omaha, see the systems up close, sit in the team meetings, sit in the one-on-ones with agents to understand how they're held accountable to follow up on the boomtown leads like Kelly was talking about. Uh, so you can see that all, all in person. Uh, that is the team building workshop. You can go to EliteRealEstateSystems.com. Uh, go to the workshops page. All the detail is there. Not only are there uh, videos that actually show part of the workshop, we've got testimonials from guys like Sam Monreal uh, that have been there to the workshop. Guys like Pat Hyben, Toby Salgado, Joshua Smith have all had uh, you know amazing experiences there and have nothing but good things to say about the workshop. There's some other testimonials from people that have uh, gone to the workshop talking about what they've implemented when they got back. So all that stuff is is on that workshop page so you can see if it's right for you. Uh, we also are launching single agent expansion. Uh, so if you are looking to join a team, and like Kelly said, you need that more of the support that goes beyond what a broker or a local franchise office, no matter how good they are, they can't do everything. Uh, and so, but you know, both of us, Kelly locally, and then us nationally are looking to provide that. So if you're looking to partner with somebody to get more of the coaching and consulting, the support that you need to actually build a dominant team, uh, reach out to us, um, just go to our website. There's some information on expansion, or you can uh, contact Jeff, uh, just uh, Jeff at EliteRealEstateSystems.com is the easiest way to reach out to him. So with all of that said, guys, uh, subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher if you like the audio versions. Uh, subscribe on YouTube if you prefer, uh, prefer the video versions. Uh, keep up with the show. We've got amazing guests coming up. Uh, if you haven't already, we've got uh, the, like the Dale Archdeckin episode. We've got Jamie Reynolds talking about uh, what his experience was after he left the workshop and they've, they're selling 300 units a year or something like that in the little podunk area of Alabama, which is ridiculous. Uh, so we've got tons of great episodes coming out if they're not already out. So so with that said, again, guys, thank you so much, and we'll see you next time.